Welcome to the Plant Cunning Podcast, where we explore a relationship to plants, other people, and the mysteries of nature. Coming to you from the High Allegheny Plateau in central New York, we are your hosts, A.C. Staubel and Isaac Hill. Episode 37, Plant Music with Loretta Maps Bolt. In this episode, we speak with Loretta about how she makes music with plants, how she interacts and communicates with plants through technological means, and how they actually collaborate with her in the creation of music. We talk with her about some of the most interesting plants that she's worked with, including American ginseng, a fig tree in Philadelphia, and by the way, the song that she made with that fig tree will be played at the end of this episode. We also talk about a haunted ginkgo tree and lots of other fun stuff, so I hope you enjoy the episode. By the way, if you'd like to support this podcast, you can do so at patreon.com slash plantcunning and join our two new patrons, Debbie and Michael. Here comes the episode. Well, welcome, Loretta Maps Bolt to the Plant Cunning Podcast. How are you today? I'm doing awesome. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm super honored to talk to you guys. Yeah, this is exciting. Thanks yeah. for being on. Thank you. So do you think you could give our listeners a little bit of a background on what you do? Sure. I run two organizations called Biotunes and Canatunes. Biotunes and Canatunes, both of them focus on plant music. Canatunes focuses mostly on cannabis music but um generally i go out and i use devices that take the electrical resistance in plants translates it into musical notes and i create soundscapes with the plants it's an interspecies collaboration of sorts and i've been collecting um as many sounds from plants um throughout the seasons as possible and I'm trying to create like just a open source library that people can use for um, their enjoyment or any kind of experiments they want to try and I'm excited to see um, what stories come out of them because I'm always discovering stories attached to the plants that somehow are related to the music so that's always an awesome journey cool yeah so what about your story how did you get interested in plants and making music with plants you know i've actually been thinking a lot about um that question because i listen to your guys podcast and um i know you guys (laughs) um (laughs) asked that question and i've been thinking about that question a lot about myself too and uh you know i grew up in the bronx um and i also would grow up in upstate New York. My dad had a job where we were required to travel a lot. And uh, I would often be in a very sort of, you know, gritty urban environment in the Bronx and then be boosted like three months later uh, into, you know, the middle of nowhere in upstate New York and be surrounded by forests and stuff. And then three months later, be back in the city. And so it was interesting growing up that way because it was very almost jarring to go from like, you know, 
plants to no plants <laughs> yeah. to go from like concrete and like tons of people to you know no people and then just forests when one month my mom would be chopping wood to you know make us warm at night and the next you know time we're like trying to figure out how the radiator works so yeah. um <laughs> uh, what a contra- contradiction and yeah like inter- cool. interesting contrast there yeah and so i would um often at times become more appreciative sort of of plants when i was in the city and i just become more gravitated to the parks i was lucky because i lived in the northern end of the bronx and we have a lot of the parks my grandmother actually lived across the street from the botanical gardens like literally across the street um on mashaloo parkway if anybody knows that area but um, right across on Webster. But anyways, uh, I, I sort of just would spend a lot of time just like sitting in these parks, but really they were filled with trash and like, you know, homeless people were doing their thing there. And so people would always be like, why are you sitting next to a tree? It's like, you know, people are like pissing on that tree or something <laughs> like that. And I would be like, I love this tree. This tree means everything to me. And so... <laughs> I, it almost conjured in me like a deeper appreciation for plants. And I felt like yeah. they became like my friends that I would come and visit because New York would be the one place we would always come back to. And so my grandmother lived in the same apartment forever. And so I would just go back to these same spaces and sort of like, I felt like they were part of my family in mm. some sort of way. Um, and still to this day, when I go back to, that area I'm like oh I'm gonna go visit my trees and Mm. um and so uh I know you interviewed Gordon White and he's a big proponent for animism and so I've always felt that deeply when I think about plants and like their individual essence and being yeah yeah that's so cool so that this is this sort of animist perspective has kind of always been there yeah and i think it just comes naturally to yeah. people yeah we kind of get educated out of it in a certain exactly way. So was there a period where that that it wasn't your perspective or it was reintroduced like intellectually or in like a new way or was it just continuous yeah that's actually a really great question by the time i got to college by the time i was my senior year i definitely wasn't like hanging out with plants anymore it was definitely just being a teenager and like you know whatever and I was just you know go I actually went to in SUNY ESF um and I went there because uh it was my boyfriend in high school's dream school and I really wanted to go to NYU but my family was also deciding to go back to New York City so I decided to not go to NYU (laughs) Um, and I just decided to stay in Syracuse because that's where we were living at the time. So I wasn't fully prepared for how academically scientific that school is. If anybody knows anything about that college, um, Robin Wall Kimmerer is from there. She wrote um, numerous books. She was a professor of mine, but she wasn't... um, she wasn't at that point in her life where she had all the revelations that she did in that she speaks about in the book at the time when she was my professor, she actually was, you know, just like slide 
you know, like, <laughs> like it, it wasn't um, as it wasn't focused on that. Um, but I actually got I was taking what I'm trying to get at basically is that I uh, didn't do any drugs or anything all through high school. I didn't, you know, not to call weed drugs, but I didn't I was pretty straight edge. I didn't do anything. And um, that school is a pretty hippie college <laughs> um so all my friends um were like using psychedelics and after like a whole semester of taking in botany zoology mycology all of this really dense information it wasn't until i ate um mushrooms and acid that i was able to basically really consume that information because mm -hmm. it was it was as if like when I was having these experiences, I could see the xylem and the phloem working inside of the trees. It was like now I was able to fully visualize, fully understand what all of this information meant. Because at the time it was just jargon. It was just stuff I had to memorize and it wasn't real to me. Um, and that's when it became very intensely um almost like ceremonial the way my sophomore year ended up being my best year because I almost took my uh workings with the plants and how I was learning like a ceremony and I would take psychedelics to sort of like quote unquote study to a certain extent you know yeah I feel yeah I remember one time in college we were studying in like, it was like literature, but we were studying Foucault and I took mushrooms after reading that. And it was like, oh, now I understand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> words can be limiting, you know, but when you can just open up these other pathways in your brain, you can really synthesize the knowledge in a different way. So totally makes sense. Absolutely. And I think there's a lot of what I do with the or what I'm trying to bring about with the plant music is the music is really just a medium to show that like each plant has its own intelligence, its own being, its own essence. And yeah. so I really also became in communion with the mushrooms because I became like very respectful to a certain extent of that as well. And I was almost in this full understanding that like, you know, this intelligence was allowing me to understand this other intelligence. And it really felt like a guidance, like, like this was my guide or my partner in this journey. Yeah, it's interesting also, like looking at the mycorrhizal relationships in like a forest or something, how like the mushroom is sort of this, um, hermetic like hermes like you know mm. being communicator communicator right it's like this great communicator the messenger yes. yeah and so it's kind of what it was doing for you too in a in the, well the, the psilocybin in a different way but a similar way <laughs> mm -hmm. that's awesome i really vibe with that because i'm a gemini mm. so i like mercury's uh -huh. my yes. thing <laughs> yes so when when did you start actually making music with the plants well I've been doing it about five years now so basically around 2016 I uh had some property in northern California 
and I also had a bunch of boats in the Bay Area in Oakland, uh, Emeryville area. And so I basically had all these assets and I really wanted to do this for a couple of years. I actually found out about um, a device that was made by an organization called Domin Horror, which is actually an organization that's that's kind of interesting to look up. They've done some really interesting things such as um, they hand dug, and this was back in the 70s, but they hand dug a like six to seven story temple under a mountain that is cavernous and is all hand done. I mean, the it's crazy what they've done inside of this space, like all artificial lighting, everything. They ended up getting into a 11 year court battle with the Pope over it because the Pope was trying to say they were doing like satanic stuff or something in there or whatever. And um, they won that court battle and now they're Italy's 27th nat national treasure. Um, but they wow. created a yeah oh yeah so what, what is the name of this organization like <laughs> yeah so so it's um there it's d-a-m-a-n-h-u-r it's the egyptian word for city of light i mean that's what they say i haven't actually ever verified that but that's what they say <laughs> and um it's this whole community uh they did this back in the 70s um or that's when they started um some guy named alco uh, got a bunch of kids together and they actually went all over the world trying to find a spot that ended up finding a spot in Italy which is where they were all like mostly from and that's where he's not, from um, not funny how that happens sometimes <laughs> yeah absolutely um, but they're like right outside of Turin Torino right outside of Torino in northern Italy and these guys they actually had their own language written and spoken they have their own monetary system. They have their own schools. They have like their own housing system. They have their own community. You can go and visit. You can go and spend like a week there or a month there. You can even apply to be in their community. It's really interesting. And the art and the statues, it's all hand done. It's pretty crazy. It's one of the most successful organized communities I've ever um scene i've never physically been there but um just from i actually found out about it because i met the guy the only person who was ever allowed to do a documentary there and oh. he was putting that documentary on at this festival that i was working out in utah somewhere outside of moab and uh he was like yeah and they make this plant music machine and i was like what and <laughs> <laughs> um, I had heard um, about people using electrical um, like lie detector machines uh, like Cleve Baxter back in the 70s. He was the guy who created the lie detector machines um, and he was the first guy to actually start tapping into this. Well, he wasn't the first guy. There was an Indian guy back in the 20s, but I can never pronounce his name because I'm terrible at that. But he was the first guy. Second guy was Cleve Baxter, but he was more notarized because he had connections to the FBI and CIA because that's who he was making these lie detector machines for. Ah. And so after he had made all his money um, doing that, he was like bored in his lab and he hooked up his lie detector machine to a Dracenia plant and uh, off he went. He started doing experiments where he was like 
you know, uh, doing things where you would communicate with the plant and then have his uh, assistant like collect the data or he would go across the country and like go get a hotel room and then like cut himself on the wrist and then see if his assistant sees if the plant reacts and it would. Um, wow. So what's his name again? Cleve Baxter. C-L-E-V-E B-A-X-T-E-R. Cool. Cool. And uh, or I think there's an A in the Cleve actually. Mm. But um, yeah. So this these Dominhor people took his work and then expanded on it. And um, okay. I I heard about them, but their device at the time, which isn't true now, but their device at that time was like, and this was back in 2012, it was like the size of a VCR and it was a whole thing and it was a bunch of money. So I was like, I don't know. It's like, I don't know. Um, but then I found out like basically in 2016, like four years later, that uh these guys in Philadelphia, these two guys um, were sued by Dominhor for making an open source version of their device. And the guys in Philly won and they were the creators of the MIDI Sprout and they made it significantly cheaper. It was open source. I was like, okay, this is a thing I can do. And at the time I was growing cannabis and I was like, oh man, I really want to hear my cannabis make music. Like this is epic. Like, I really love the idea of people consuming their cannabis and being able to listen to it while they're consuming it. I was like, this is a thing. So I sold all my stuff and I moved to Philadelphia. (laughs) Um, And I was able to get, Philadelphia is a great city if you're an artist or even if you want to start a business, there's a lot of, to this day, there are a lot of great resources for free a lot of uh, networking connections. There are a lot of, just just a lot of support. They call Philadelphia a museum without walls. So it's very hard to not get inspired there. Um, And I was lucky enough to fall into that city. I was able to connect with those guys from Midi Sprout. And I got my nonprofit within profit status within six months of being there uh, through an organization called Culture Works. Shout out to Culture Works. And uh, off I went. I just started making music with plants. And I had a series of experiences that um, basically started to cement my feeling that like, okay, these plants are actually like making music with me and my interactions with them and also the, the environment, what's happening in the environment is reflective in the music. And I, I can talk more about that, but uh, if you had another question, I can that, yeah, that's definitely one of our questions was like, each plant is vibrating out this melody. Like, is it just random or is it they're communicating with each other and their environment? And then if we're in their environment, they're talking with us. So how do you, how have you seen like the variation in the melody? Well, I will say this because I definitely felt when I first started working with the plants I was like oh it works like there's music coming out right and I think that that's why people kind of quickly get bored with it to a certain extent like they go and they buy a device and they hook it up and they're like oh it makes music and it's like uh, you know okay cool 
What and next? I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like what next? But since I was so dedicated to like working and like making this a thing, I was like, I'm doing this all the time. And so what I ended up doing was like choosing specific plants and just then just going back to those plants over ah. and over again. And what ended up happening, um, and I would work with other plants that I would find because I always find like new interesting stuff anyways. Um, but what I ended up finding out was that the more time I spent with an individual plant, the more the relationship became the same way two musicians would sort of be, begin a relationship. You sort of learn each other's styles and you sort of start like working with each other. And, and when I say styles, I, I almost mean on like an emotional level. Like it's like to a certain extent, the vibe that you're giving off to the plant, the plant is actively aware of it. And so I've had lots of instances where I'll like go and work with a plant that I've always worked with. And I'm just really not in like I'm in a bad mood or, or something like that. And the plant won't really make music with me because it's just like, look, you're just here because you're here. You're not really here to play. Like, mm. um, I also had a roommate at the time where she did very difficult work um, with people recovering from drug addiction and alcoholism that she'd been doing as a counselor for like over 10 years. Um, and she, it's just a lot of heavy stuff. Mm -hmm. um but I would be making music with the plants in the house but the minute she would come home the plants would shut down like they would not make music when she was in the house the minute she left the house they were back up and running and it's nothing bad about her she wasn't a bad person it's just she just carried all this stuff with her um and I had also had really great experiences where I had to have um plant like I had to had, like let the plants warm up to me and one of my favorite experiences or like um examples of that is uh on my website there's um a fig tree song and that song is a live recording where most of the, the music on there is raw plant music where it's like not produced there's no like extra drum beats or anything like that but right behind my house at the time was um, Bartram's garden. And that's America's oldest garden right behind my house. I was like super lucked out, you know, <laughs> like, Oh, great. Right in my backyard. You know? So there is a bunch of fig trees there since then I've developed this really interesting relationship with fig trees where they just keep on coming up in my life. But um, I think like now we're like attached, like we're soul attached or something, but uh <laughs> there was like a bunch of fig trees but there was like one misplanted or it was off to the side it wasn't with a group and um I went to go and make music with the ones that were in the group they made music that's fine and then the one off to the side wouldn't make music and I was like okay that's fine I come back the next day nothing be like all right cool and then I actually just hung out with it for two weeks and I just like sat there and smoked weed that would be like my smoke weed hangout spot while I was like going and making music with other plants in the garden and stuff Mm -hmm. like that and then after two weeks of that I came back and um I hooked it up again I was like let me try it again and nothing 
So I was like, all right, well, let me play around with some of these drum beats. I let some drum beats play and uh, the plant started playing in time with the drum beats Mm. and I just hit record. And that was the first time that like the music actually sounded like a song and it had uh, like sectioned off times and it was like, okay, wow, this is something I captured. It felt like a gift. Yeah. And since then, I've been just approaching it in that way. Sorry if that was a little long winded. (laughs) No, I love hearing about it. I think the fig tree song was my favorite one that I listened to on your website. It was just like oh, so dynamic. Good. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, really and those those that drum beat in the background, that was the one that I was just like letting play, like, oh, mm-hmm. here's a drum beat. And it was just playing. And then the plant just started playing in time with the drum beat. And I just hit record. So, so it was just like, oh my God, this is happening. So <laughs> um well, so, so that's, yeah. That is really interesting how like there actually was like collaboration and like a back and forth. So usually when you're capturing the sounds from the plant, is it just like passively like recording just the impulses of the electrical impulses of the plants or like, how does the machine actually work? What are you actually capturing? Oh, absolutely. So uh, at everything that is biologically alive um, has an electrical current running in it. You know, we have electrical current plants have electrical current and the technology I use um, uses like either soft tooth alligator clips or these sticky pads, almost the same ones that you would use in like an EKG when you go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. And I place them on whatever area has the most surface uh, space to capture the electrical resistance through the water barrier. And so um, plants that are like, drier um, or have thicker um, coverings like trees and stuff like that it's harder to capture data off of that so sometimes I have to climb up into a tree and get to the leaves or something so a lot of times I'll just like clip onto the leaf and that electrical data is being transferred into my phone or my computer and then I have music software that is translating it into musical notes Um, And so the process in which I work, because there's so many different instruments on the software, you know, the plant, from what I've experienced, won't necessarily just play any instrument or soundscape. So a lot of my work is trying to find what the plant wants to play. Sometimes it'll be different. Sometimes it'll be something consistent. Sometimes it'll change up day to day, um, season by season. Mm. And that's like, it. that's what I mean in, in the way that we're like sort of building a relationship the way to musicians. It's like, I'm trying to find their style. I'm trying to find like right. how, what medium they would like to speak through. And um, that can change all the time. Like, my aloe plant won't sound like your aloe plant. I mean, maybe if they spend time together, they will for like a long time or something like that. Um, but even seasonally, the same plant won't sound the same. I, when I did this ginseng experiment, 
and project with United Plant Savers, we made music with ginseng throughout all four seasons, as well as all the indicator species like pawpaw, moonseed, and um, they had a variety of sounds through the seasons. Wow. That's, That's super interesting. so cool. Okay. So have you ever tried harvesting a plant while it's hooked up to one of the machines and see what it says? Um, so I don't do that. I'm like, <laughs> there's a lot of, um, you know, experiments I'm sure people want to do and things like that. And when I do this plant music, and this is something that I've been thinking about, like writing maybe like a blog about or like uh-huh. an essay, but like plant music ethics, you know? Right, right. Yeah. I think there's something to that because for one, you are disturbing the plant. You know, you, you're putting in small electrical pulses in order to measure the electrical pulses that are coming back, right? So mm-hmm. in that way, that's already a disturbance to the plant. You're already in its space. You're attaching things to it, you know? <laughs> things are yeah. happening, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. The other thing is, is that the music that I'm capturing, I feel like to me is a gift. I'm not going to go out and slaughter these plants and I'm not a vegan or a vegetarian or anything Mm -hmm. like that. I'm just like very respectful. If I'm going to go make music with somebody, you think I'm going to go and kill them after? Like, (laughs) yeah, no, like, I'm sorry. And also there's like, people will be like, oh, why don't you hook up this plant and then do like 24 hour plant music? And I'm like, why am I going to do that to the plant for 24 hours? Why don't I hook you up for 24 hours? Right. Like, yeah. I don't understand this. So there's a lot of like things I'm sure people want to try out and do. But I think to a certain extent, which I think, and this is what I talk like when people want to get into this, when people want to go out and make music with plants, it's like you're you're going, you got to think about them as beings. And that's why I'm a big proponent for animism because it really captures this idea. It really brings in the respect for the consciousness, the intelligence, the essence that is inside of this being in front of you. You know what I mean? And even when you're consuming it, you're consuming consciousness, right? So like mm-hmm. it's now being, that consciousness is now being integrated into you. And so just being respectful of that. And like, um, I think the music, once the more you do that, the better the music will be. Mm-hmm. And it will be reflective of the space and the time that you give to that plant. Wait, um, so, so the more you treat a plant like a person, the more it behaves like a person? Yes, absolutely. In my experience, mm. absolutely. Cool. Because I think that to a certain extent, it, it sort of wants to get on your quote unquote level. Mm-hmm. I also yeah. noticed too that like plants, certain plants, you know, they, don't, they also don't want to be like praised or anything like that. Or like, you don't want to give them too much attention. You don't want to like, idolize them because they'll even shut down like that too right (laughs) it's just got to be a mutual respect right yeah 
So do you like, ever do you ever like give offerings to the plants before you do these like tobacco or water or something? Okay, so I I will acknowledge the plant before and after, but when I do give offerings, it's to the land. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's not to the specific plant. Yeah. Because there's other things going on. So for instance, when I um, make music with plants, a lot of times there's always birds coming in mm-hmm. and like making their own types of music and stuff too. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's it always kind of sort of seems like when I'm making music with the plants in like the forest or like a wild setting, like everybody else wants to chime in too. And so, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, that's it. Just becomes like it's almost like you're you're becoming part of that ecology, part of that space, part of that ephemeral essence that is in the land. And so I want to be respectful to the ancestors and to the land and to the space in general, because I think of it as like my general like protection circle too, you know what I mean? So, um, and I also, uh, you know, have a sort of feeling about fairy spaces. There, yeah. I've always felt like I could sort of like recognize them sometimes. Mm-hmm. So whenever I feel like I recognize those spaces, I'll like leave little cakes yeah. or like little sweets and like things, mm-hmm. you know, to like satisfy that. Um, That's smart. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So general protection, I think, is always good. <laughs> For sure. And have you ever worked with fungi? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Which is how I got connected with one of your previous guests, John Nicolotti. I was super interested in what he had to say about making music with mushrooms, because even though I've taken a bunch of my- mycological classes, um, I don't know, the information never sticks in my brain for some reason, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's always really interesting to me because um, what I've noticed with mushrooms is that they're quick and ready to make music. There's no coaxing it out of them. They're instantaneously making music. And I think that that's mostly because I'm, it's almost like I'm just tapping into an information network and you yeah. know what I mean right, right? it's like right. oh you want data we got data <laughs> <laughs> I love it so do you do like the actual like fruiting mushrooms or or have you done the like mycelium both absolutely okay. and it doesn't difference? even no I mean in, in terms of activity so there's some plants that uh, I'll work with and because it's almost based off of um, the water that is flowing within the plant, um, there's like uh, slower amounts of data or slower, you know, I don't, it's harder for me to explain. But so for instance, like a tree in the fall or in the winter time, you know, the music that I'll get will be very low, long tones. And what I've noticed in the same way is that when I'm working with the mycelium, um, 
it's it's like that but when i'm working with the fruiting bodies it's like the trees in the summertime just like lots of activity lots of like um high-pitched tones a lot of like almost like shrieking types of sounds but in terms of like rapid fire like sounds it's it's equal it'll be like low long tones for the mycelium but it'll be consistent uh-huh interesting are there any other plants that you want to share with us and our listeners that you've really enjoyed working with other than um, the fig tree you mentioned? Yeah, um, I really enjoyed the journey that I went on with ginseng. Um, cool. The ginseng plants definitely took me on its own separate journey mm. and I uh got to work with it at United Plant Savers in Ohio for throughout the different seasons and um, as well as like the other indicator species and things like that. But the ginseng is interesting because of its growth cycle, you know, like technically you're not supposed to harvest it for like, you know, till it's like five, seven, yeah, better yeah. 15 really. 25 mm. even better mm. and so we were making music with young ginseng and old ginseng cool. um and there's like so many different types of ginseng out there because of the seed varieties okay. um, as well and i thought that that was really um i don't what's the word i want to use it was very dreamlike mm. in some some ways because it it felt like the music was calling in um, people and experiences and the more I shared it, the more it moved people to um, tell me about their stories and share with me other experiences or be like, hey, look at this folklore. So um, the music was almost like an instigator for that. But it, in a lot of ways, I felt like it was almost like a call out to those people, to their hearts, you know. Um, so that was really great. And we ended up turning the music into a 30-minute guided meditation with this like spa package thing so that people could be taken through this Cherokee story that we uncovered where it talks about ginseng being the grandfather of all plants. Wow. Why do you think that it's um, earned that title? Well, in the story that they basically mediated this war against um, humanity by the bugs and the animals and the plants and Apparently, they were all trying to figure out how to eliminate us <laughs> because we were causing problems. And they came oh. up with all these ways, but they failed. And okay. they went to Grandfather Ginseng. They don't really, I mean, I have some ideas, but in the story, he's the one who like mediated this um, conflict. And the 
mediation he provided basically was that humans are um, part of this reality and to take them out of this reality would mess up the whole situation. They're still new to a certain extent. And so all of the things that you guys want to do, the bugs and the animals, if you want to like create problems for them, that's fine. We can't stop you from doing that, but we'll make all of the anecdotes antidotes for that all of the healing for whatever you guys come up with but if the humans want that healing they have to come to us in a humble way and ask for it really cool and i think the grandfather ginseng uh the term grandfather has to do a lot with the fact that this goes to the idea of it having its own um essence and character and intelligence within it i mean the china that's how the chinese view ginseng they consider american ginseng and chinese ginseng almost of a yin yang effect whereas like the chinese ginseng has a heating element whereas the american ginseng has this cooling effect it's more nourishing and um chinese ginseng is really great for like libido and getting the blood going and so they um, really uh, think about it as a being to a certain extent. And right. yeah. there is more knowledge in it the longer it stays in the soil absorbing it to a certain extent. And yeah. so that's why like Chinese business, businessmen will pay like $250,000 for a ginseng root that's just pinned to a piece of velvet and it's like hanging on their wall because that's being a baller to them. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, ginseng is such a powerful plant and it's, it, it's really interesting, like coming from like a Western, you know, American um, mindset, we look at plants in a certain way, but like in other cultures, like they, like they're really, like they really treat the, plants as their own entities as powerful spiritual entities and they are you know like you recognize that as a child (laughs) and i think most of us do when we're when we're children but it's and i think that goes to to why their medicine works yeah yeah and and the the spiritual essence of of the plant doesn't doesn't need you to like necessarily take it internally even for it to, to to work on you Absolutely. So what, what was some of, what did you learn about ginseng and, and the essence of ginseng while working with it? You know, it definitely taught me a lot of patience, <laughs> which I think yeah. is uh, sort of inevitable when you're dealing with ginseng too, because it's not something that, you know, when you planted a lot of the people that I met who were growing ginseng, they were like, yeah, I'm planting this for my grandchildren you know like this will be their money Mm. and that's how they were thinking about it and so for me it really brought back a sort of stillness in my life because I definitely got you know when I first got to Philly I just sold everything so I was definitely determined to like make it all work for myself (laughs) and um I was definitely in this like you know, being back on the East Coast too, uh, as opposed to California, 
Northern California, which is definitely more laid back. Um, I was just in this go, go, go mentality. And so um, the ginseng taught me how to like sort of recapture the stillness that I had when I was on my property, when I was in the woods in California, when I was like sitting on my boats, just like listening to the water. Cause that's what my life used to be. And then after two or three years of like networking and co-working and working on projects and writing grants and shaking a lot of hands and business meetings and emails and applications and travel, you know, it gets to be a lot and it gets to be, even though it's something you can be passionate about, it can sort of consume you in a lot of ways. And so the ginseng really helped me sort of reevaluate um, what was going on with my life and like what my future plans were. And um, it was kind of funny because like right when the ginseng project was supposed to really come out because we were actually also working um, with the Smithsonian on this ginseng project. And they had, um, they do this uh, folk life festival on the Washington Mall every summer. And this ginseng project was going to be the focal point of this <clears throat> festival, excuse me, for 2020. Well, we all know what happened in 2020. So that was all out the window. And so yeah. more patience, right? You <laughs> yeah, know? Sure. Right. And so the ginseng almost was like a preparedness, you know, they prepped me for that, you know, in many ways. I felt I'm having some foresight on it now, or like some time to look back on it now. And um, yeah, I'm so grateful to have had that. Um because I felt like the effects of being stuck inside and like just having that stillness within you, I think was so needed for people, you know, to be like all of a sudden to be made still, you know, <laughs> and to grapple with that. Um, so I was glad that I was already like learning the lessons of that from ginseng at least a year and a half ahead of time. Hmm. Very cool. Wow. And I'm also really curious to hear about your work with cannabis and um, what you've learned from that plant. Yeah, I think that cannabis has been my favorite plant to work with. I mean, it's the one that really inspired me to do this work. Um, and the reason why I have Canatunes separate from Biotunes is because I currently get um, grant music to do a lot of the Biotune stuff. Haven't yet been able to necessarily get grant money to make music with cannabis plants, but I do it anyways. And mm -hmm. cannabis plants, in my experience, are always ready and willing to make the most fun music. Like, I've never been disappointed with cannabis music, like the <laughs> oh. music that I make with them. Like they're always making something totally random, totally trippy. And mm -hmm. when I work with the cannabis, a lot of times it's on farms with the farmers. So mm -hmm. 
hearing the backstories and and also cannabis too is like specifically when it comes to the people who are in, who are the farmers or the stewards of the cannabis you know that relationship growing wise is a lot different than like growing food or something because you have this really intimate relationship you know I have a ton of friends and farmer friends and including myself when I used to do be like those are my ladies right over there you know and they know all of their individual quirks and needs and whims (laughs) and sometimes they plan for like a specific strain years ahead of time and you know, the relationship is different. And yeah. so really talking to these farmers, especially where, when they get the seeds from crazy places too, mm. um, that all of that, I think, becomes reflected in the music. In a lot of ways, the music makes more sense to me because a lot of times the cannabis, they be, it's very avant-garde, very avant-garde sometimes. And um the music that the cannabis makes, I think, is very spacey. It's definitely more trippy, but they've got tons to give. Um, and I think that they're one of the best musical partners that I've had through this whole experience because they're super reliable and they're super fun. And um, really, for me, I really love in like consuming the cannabis. Um, at like while I'm listening to the music because it gives at least to me this whole like immersive experience that I feel is super healing and that's what I look forward to um, giving to people in the future what I'd like to do um, this coming year and I'm working with a friend who just created um this really awesome strain called uh black girl magic og and uh getting the music inside of these dispensaries and lounges so that people can listen to their cannabis before they even purchase it and then they can listen to it when they get home and consume it privately whether it's topical or edible or however they consume it that's awesome Yeah, it's it's really interesting to 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 look at all these different plants through like the lens of of music. Have, have you what, what's the biggest difference you've seen between all of these different plants and their uh, their recordings or like w- what they're giving out their music? Well, I will say that um, every region um, that I go to visit definitely has like a certain vibe to it or um yeah so for instance when I was making music in Philly the music uh there was often um I would almost call them paragraphs like they would have like long intermittent like long periods of times where they would be playing music and then they take like these really short like these breaks and then they'd be back up and running and I I think that was almost because of all the activity and to a certain extent all the ghosts that live there (laughs) because (laughs) that city is super paranormal I mean yeah oh it's got 
it's got multiple levels of entities that are existing in that city, right? right. Um, so um, when I went to Florida, and not to say Florida doesn't have that, but when I was just there, I went there this winter just to like relax and chill out. And um, because Florida has, and Florida has multiple levels of um, experiences and civilizations there, um, but I think it's because it's on this like beach and there's also super transient there. The music that I was getting there was very lighthearted. It was very like up. It was very like almost like it is kind of funny because <laughs> I was living around all these elderly people specifically in this area of St. Petersburg where it was like literally just condos filled with elderly people stacked upon mm -hmm. elderly people but the music right. <laughs> in all the plants that were like around there were very like it was just super chill it was very lighthearted, very whimsical um yeah it was very cheery um and I think it's almost because a lot of the stuff that I was working with there hadn't been there for a long time mm. you know like a lot of these parks are very landscaped and tidy and you could tell like things are taken out and replaced rather frequently right and stuff but whereas in philly i'm i'm working like in bartram's garden they have america's oldest ginkgo tree there like oh, that wow. tree is that tree is haunted right wow. and the I would music love to meet that, that tree. i got off of that plant sounded like screams Whoa. okay wow. like straight up screams i only worked with it once and it was clearly telling me to go away oh my god i was like yes ma'am i was like yes ma'am <laughs> like, yes, ma i'm out of here so, well that, that's really interesting so like how like how do the land spirits or like other spirits interact with the plant the spirits of the plants well like, so that's that's what I kind of mean, right? So like yeah. the plants in Philly, it's like because there's so many plants that are and have been there for a long time, they are almost like anchors, right? Uh -huh. To the knowledge, to the spaces. They're almost like anchors through time. But in Florida, where at least this place I'm in, these areas are being built, destroyed, there's no oldest nothing plant there, right. okay? Because it's constantly being re-landscaped all the time. The part that I would take my dogs to got re-landscaped like four times and I was only <laughs> there for six months. So like, that's what I mean. Like the plants yeah. there, they were all new. They were all like, here we are. Like, what's going on, guys? <laughs> innocent. Yeah. Yeah, innocent. Lightheartedness. Exactly. Yeah. So, but that's really interesting because from just from my, me imagining it, the spirit, the land spirit of that place would, I, I, I wouldn't really like to be like changed all that, all, all the time, you know? But like, is there a difference also between being in like a, uh, um, an older forest Absolutely, hundred percent, and that—that's what I mean for um for sure. Yeah. There are definitely old trees there in Florida, definitely. Yeah. Um. That, but it, so, but, but is, it, be, is it the fact? Those, 
go ahead. Sorry. Well, sorry. Is it the, is it the fact that like that old ginkgo tree is like right in the middle of Philadelphia and there's so much going on in. Yeah. And it's also in America's oldest garden. Yeah. It's created by John Bartram. Like it's surrounded by history. Like yeah. his, it's right next to his original house, you know, wow. like right next to it. It's in his backyard. Um, and so like, it's one of the first trees that you see when you enter into the space. Um, so yeah. And that's what I mean by anchors to a certain extent. Yeah. Well, so have you, have you uh, worked with like old growth trees, for instance, in like California? Or- yes, yes, absolutely. Because I, I was in California, I go back to California, I work with cannabis a lot. Um, it's so, and that's, this is what I mean by a vibe, right? So yeah. each space, all these spaces have vibes. And when I would go into the redwoods, uh, the music that I would get from the redwood trees there were just like these really, it, everything just sounded old, right? Mm-hmm. It would be like, mm, like a lot of that, but not in a way that was like groaning. It was just like, like those low tones I was talking about or like they, but it was almost like a breathing Sometimes I feel like I'm just capturing like breaths to a certain extent. And there's longer pauses when I'm working with trees too, especially when they're older. Okay. So like when I would work with the redwoods, like almost always there's like five to 10 minute, just nothingness pauses in between sounds. Hmm. Yeah. And, And I think it's just because how old they are yeah yeah their time scale is just yeah exactly the time scale is totally different interesting yeah well and that'd probably be very different than like uh like an annual i mean i guess weed is an annual cannabis is an annual um yeah they grow so quickly exactly wow and i think that that the reason why too i love working with cannabis is because of their strain varieties I think really, really goes to the variety of the kinds of music that I get from them. So Uh, like, okay, you know, plants that have different types of genetics tend to have um, certain styles and sounds, even within indica and sativa. So sativas definitely sound more upbeat, more like EDM sometimes, like really. Whereas like the indica ones are definitely more chill and like laid back and things like that. And then hybrids are always a toss up. You never know. Yeah. Um, and then working with hermaphrodites are also kind of interesting too. Cause sometimes you're playing herms out and then right. you're just like, and I've worked with those and those always sound like you're in space. Interesting. That's what I've always noticed too. It's like, that's the sound that they always want to make. It's like, these weird like you're in space and you're hearing like sounds echo off of planets or something like boom interesting (laughs) cool so is is there a plant uh that you haven't worked with yet that's on your wish list that you are hoping to meet someday and play okay yes all day (laughs) okay so there's like whole list i would love to start taking this out of the country and working with different ecologies around the world and I've devised a way of sharing this music now I'm currently working on a project in eastern Kentucky um 
in uh, collaboration with Berea College. I'm doing an artist residency there, um, grant, uh, funded by a grant by the Kentucky Women's Foundation. And I'm doing a uh, installation there where I figured out how to learn how to do geofencing. So you're basically locking um, content to a GPS coordinate. <clears throat> and so I wanted to share this music in a way where because uh, in, a, in a lot of ways too, like when I'm making music with a plant, like I'm taking this music, right? And then it leaves with me in my computer. It just feels a little bit like poaching and some weird like futuristic poaching or something like that. <laughs> I'm taking <laughs> yeah. content from plants and then I'm just leaving it, right? No, I'm just taking it with me, right? So I wanted to <clears throat> create experiences so that people could have those experiences that I had in the places that I had them. So what I'm working on in Kentucky is basically this augmented reality nature walk where people are, um, so if I make music with 10 trees on a trail, that music will automatically play once you approach each individual tree um, through an app on your phone. And that's so I interesting. Yeah, and I sort of want to, I want to start making these tours like all over the world, and I want to focus on a bunch of plants that um, I think have a lot in the same way that that ginkgo tree, are it's like an anchor sort of. I want to work with plants that I feel are like anchors to the land and to the stories and to the heritage of this of the place, and um, <clears throat> there's a pistachio tree in uh, Georgia, the country of Georgia, not the state of Georgia, the country of Georgia. Mm -hmm. And if you, on the uh, western side, nope, eastern side of Georgia, not western, eastern side of Georgia, they have this massive national park and they've got this old growth of pistachio trees that are over a thousand years old. I have to go make music with those pistachio trees wow. and then those pistachios. And they take you on horseback there. Wow. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. So there's I've a heard. ton of, um, and they've been, you know, people have been traveling through that um, ancient pistachio forest for longer than a thousand years it's just that these trees have been alive in that forest for over a thousand years um right. but people have been going through them for much longer and so like really capturing the music of those trees and then being able to tell those stories along with it is it's just i think is a very powerful experience to share yeah that would be so cool i can't wait for you to go travel there and uh, to hear what those pistachio trees sound like. That's awesome. Well, we're kind of nearing the end of our show here. Um, do you have any other final comments that, um, you know, you'd love to share with our listeners before we wrap up? Yeah, I would just like to say that if what I was saying before, um, you know, if anybody does want to get into the plant music and really use this medium as a way to connect with plants like do it from your heart and do it where it's very heart-centered where you're actually giving that plant 
time and space from yourself and um, work with it the same way you would work with another person. And I, I'm pretty sure that it will develop into a really interesting relationship um, that will bring you um, information and um, communication within yourself. And I really uh, am excited to uh, let people hear the music. Everybody, everybody can fi find music on the website. And if anybody ever feels like that music moved them, they always can reach out to me on Instagram at Biotunes or at Canatunes. And um, I'm really excited about this project we're doing in Berea College um, in the Appalachia and yeah that place has a ton of great stories to share as well so um eastern kentucky is um you know uh, sort of a sort of a, a small little area that has its own history and yeah. its own culture and um is trying to thrive in this new world and a lot of the stuff that they do is land-based um and so that they are very connected to the land um so it's it's been really interesting to work with the plants in that way and um talk to them about their histories there and see what they think about it so yeah if anybody's ever interested in plant music i would definitely you know learn about your land learn mm -hmm. about where you are at any point in time and then treat the plants with respect and they will treat you back with respect in return. Yeah. yeah. I think that's, that's great advice for anybody working with plants or land or animals or other mm, people. For sure. <laughs> it's yeah, yeah, absolutely. Dropping into the heart space. Very important. Well, thank you, Loretta. This has been a wonderful conversation. I've, I've learned a lot and it's been really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on as one of your guests, um, one of your really awesome and amazing guests that you guys have had on. And I'm oh. really excited about the content you guys are putting out there because um, plants and magic and all of that, it's all like one ephemeral thing that we all can tap into. So <clears throat> these conversations you guys are having, are, I think, are the right time and the right place. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. It's been definitely like the highlight of our week every week to get to talk to people like you. So thank you for joining the show. Absolutely. All right. Talk to you later. Okay. Bye. <laughs>